Ladies, you know that vicious week before your period where you feel like you want to crawl out of your skin, you feel a little bit down or off, and those cravings when you feel like you can eat anything in sight? Well, there's a solution for that. Now it's easier to manage your PMS with estrogen control. You have to try Hormone Harmony. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ALTERCALLMAFS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S for 15% off today. If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like their Ginger Lime Mule and Grapefruit Paloma, which happen to be my favorites. You can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% of the Recess Mocktail Sampler at takearecess.com slash autocallmafs. You guys know I don't drink very much. So Recess is a great substitute while everybody else imbibes. It's a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like uplifting guayusa and stress-balancing adaptogens. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make Recess mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altercallmafs so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. Welcome to week 15. We are on the home stretch once again. <laughs> so just a little editor's note for you guys. We uh, recorded, quote marks, a whole episode that was really good. And then we realized that we did not start recording So this will probably be a bit of an abbreviated episode, but we wanted to make sure to put something out this week, regardless of our technical difficulties. Yes, we apologize for that. But before we go into this week's couples, we've mentioned before that we are both from Nigeria and we wanted to say something about the unrest that's going on over there right now. Um, SARS is a police unit, I guess, is that the best way to say it? That works in Nigeria, not for the people, and has just basically done police brutality against innocent people, put them in jail, kill them, and things came to a head um, this week where, you know, people in a peaceful protest were shot and killed, and there were quite a number of fatalities, and we just wanted to say something. Our hearts are with them. And I think A does a better job of describing, you know, what they are and what it's about. So SARS, the police unit, has existed in some way or form and been abolished in some way or form multiple times. Um, but, you know, this year has been a year of people all over the world standing up for things and expressing their views on things that they don't think are right. So everything that SARS is, which is, you know, a failed and corrupt government entity is representative of a lot of the issues that the young people in Nigeria have with their government as a whole. So as much as these protests are about police brutality, because they are, 
Um, they're also about a government that does not provide basic needs for people, such as electricity, water, jobs, a good economy. These are all the things that are missing in Nigeria, um, and they shouldn't be. There's no reason for it. And so people are rising up and saying enough is enough. Yeah. And we're proud of all the people who, you know, even though they may not have thought that anything could happen because the government is so corrupt, still took their chance and, you know, let their voices be heard. So may all the souls of all the people that we lost rest in peace and our thoughts. I don't want to say thoughts and prayers, but our thoughts and our prayers truly are with, you know, their family and loved ones and the people who lost people. So we just wanted to say something about that. And we also, as the clock is ticking down, we started thinking of what, you know, what kind of episodes you'd like us to do when all this wraps up. Like, what would you like to hear? So we'll tell you how you can reach us at the end of the episode. But if you have any ideas of what you would like us to cover, would love to hear it. Um, A, do you have any ideas running through your mind right now? We can do like previous couples. We can talk about the couples cam couples a little bit like their original seasons we will not be doing any like full rewatches of previous seasons because we just we don't have it in us <laughs> but we are happy to discuss individual people couples whatever um seasons just you know drop it in the comments anything that you would like to hear us talk about in relation to married at first sight yeah and we'll let you guys know, I mean, when it wraps up what, you know, we plan on doing and keep you up on the up and up and give you a heads up. So, Aid, do you have any highlights from Unfiltered for us? Um, they continue to show Henry and Christina and their, you know, her thing of the text message and the you're gay and you're hiding it. I continue to just find it very interesting that on Unfiltered, no one is saying anything really that negative about Christina. Like, they're speaking negatively about the situation in general, but no one's really going after her the same way that they go after Brett, who, from our viewpoint, Brett doesn't, hasn't seemed to have done anything as bad as some of the things that Christina has done. Yeah. Maybe <sighs> text messages on the rest of the people, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe. Um, Pastor Cal says the reason that she did what she did is because Henry was not coming on to her. And she was like, why is this man not making a a move? I would actually say (laughs) the only other interesting part about Unfiltered was Woody and Miles revisit their talk about sex. And Pastor Cal basically says that, like, there's a reference to, like, what if the sex is terrible? And Pastor Cal basically says... Um, what is like, how can you have terrible sex? You can teach each other and grow together and you should be spending your marriage exploring your sexual union. And Woody and Miles make a joke basically that they've never like had a bad sex, which it was funny. (laughs) It is funny. I think I kind of agree with him, but yeah. (laughs) So that was unfiltered. Uh, Soon be done. You soon be um, done with Jamie's blue dress. You don't have to see it anymore. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, oh, they're on set now. She she better come with a new dress. They are doing a reunion, and we know this. And I really hope it's Kevin Frazier for the reunion. I don't want it to be Jamie. Oh, God. She's never done a reunion. Okay, thank goodness. So hopefully, COVID hasn't changed anything, and he's willing to fly out. Okay. 
So we go back to this episode. The couples are back from their retreat and they recap their relationship. So we're recapping them, recapping their relationship this season in preparation for decision day. Um, how did you generally feel about the episode, Aid? Um, it was okay. I believe that the entire purpose of this episode is to try to convince us to like watch next week for decision day and like to be surprised on decision day. There probably won't be very many surprises on decision day, um, but they they like create all these storylines this episode, some of which we've never heard before, just to be throwing, you know, what is it? The the things that they put in your way so that you can't see what you're supposed to see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they're called, but there's a word for that. Uh, spoiler? No. <laughs> no, like wrench? red herrings. There we go. Oh, <laughs> I'm like a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, it's just like this thing where we have a theme and then we have to watch it like how many times over. It gets old really quick. So this week we have family and friends again. And it's just like, eh, I don't think they're here to change your mind. You already know what you're going to do. So, and apparently, you know, there wasn't a pandemic when they filmed this because all the friends were all up in the apartments and all up in close proximity. So. I believe, or maybe I was just wishful thinking, but I'm like, surely all of these people took a negative COVID test before they showed up to film. Oh, I hope they did because uh, that was something. There was even a group hug at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll dive into the couples. Um, we start with Christina and Henry. They're coming back. Like, you know, they always have like a round robbing of the couples in the beginning. Everyone's dancing. Mani and Woody are dancing. Karen and Maz are laughing. Amelia and Bennett doing what they do. And then I think Christina and Henry is just crickets. Christina is yawning at some point. It's just like always awkward with this couple. But they come back and Henry's telling us that he's fine, that he hasn't decided what he's going to do. He's still going on about this accusation. And apparently Christina is in a different world and she just thinks that there's hope. He's happy that they managed to be cordial and he hope he continues. Like we mentioned earlier, this is the episode where the family and friends come by and we already know that Christina has no friends. So her friend that she hired um, <laughs> came by and it was the old man, if you remember, the first time we met the friends and family. There was an old couple. I don't even know if they were a couple, but there was an older man. I think they were a couple and I'm convinced they're like friends of her because her mom lives not too far away. Like, that must be, like, her mom's best friend or something. Okay. <laughs> like, can so, you show up and film with my daughter? Because she has no friends. <laughs> so, yeah. So, they go over there. And he's there. And because he's not her friend, he's just basically acknowledging everything that she's saying. Whatever she says, he goes, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's just waxing poetic, saying things like, you know, she and Henry are in a friendship. And she wants to make it work. And... Henry is at the same time with his friend, Christine, and she's telling Christine that um, married life has been a struggle, that he struggled with honesty and communication. Christine, Am I crazy, or is that friend's name Kristen? Oh, Kristen, sorry. I don't know why I said Christina. Yeah, it is Kristen. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Christina says she's shocked that he stayed in it because he's basically said that he didn't like her. Um, Christina claims that, you know, she has been loved deeply by a lot of people. Um, she's not ugly. She is not needy. And Christina just basically tells Henry straight to his face that you've had more time in the history of this experiment. If you can't communicate by this time, 
I don't know what to tell you. And that stupid, ugly, or needy thing, I was like, the lady doth protest too much. I would agree that she's not stupid, and she's. I think she's very pretty. The neediness, I don't know. Of but course. I don't think that Christina really believes those things about herself. No, I don't think she does, because... She, I think she was acting this episode. I think she realizes what she did and she just kept going on because she was super complimentary of Henry. It was just kind of weird just going on about things that she likes about him. And um, from nowhere, um, I think Henry tells us that Christina threatened him basically. And if he didn't have her back the rest of the process that she's going to reveal the text. And Henry says, even if she did have the text because she knows she doesn't have the text that he finds that behavior despicable. I was, like, when I watched Henry say what he said, I had to rewind it a few times because I was like, I don't really get what he's saying. How can she hold it over her his head? But then I realized the way that the texts were revealed to us is that he took a video with the self cam and then to even, in what I'm seeing is covering his, not covering his tracks, but he has Woody come down and talk to him and he tells Woody what happened. And I think that was his way of being like, this girl is not trying to pull one on me. I will tell everybody what she did and what she said. I'm not going to allow her to blackmail me. I I mean, we've seen Christina talk to the camera about this, yeah. but we haven't seen the two of them talk about it. So yeah. I wonder, you know, he's like, I feel like he's like playing chess and she's playing checkers. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they're both playing a game. I don't know why they're hanging on to this, but... Christina flat out, sorry, Kristen flat out tells Henry that he just needs to leave, that they're not a good match, and they've noticed from the beginning. But Henry says sometimes it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and so we'll see how it goes. I just don't understand this at this point. So Christina's friend um, gets some lines thrown to him. He reads his lines and asks what if Henry says yes on D-Day. And Christina starts acting, saying nice things about Henry. He plays the guitar. He never took lessons. He has a sense of humor. But then she keeps adding qualifiers. She's like, you know how that's important to me. You know how I find that's hysterical. But he doesn't know because he's not your friend. But the music was hilarious. They kept taunting her. And the last line was of the lyric of the song was, you got to keep the faith stronger. So the friend said he has hope. And that's what's going to happen. And each couple has like a last romantic dinner. And I think theirs was just awkward. Christina says it's been rocky and she's proud of both of them for sticking it out. And she does admit in a roundabout kind of way what she said, that she knows she acts a fool a lot, but she's used to someone putting her in her place. And she knows it's disgusting behavior, but she it's also an impulse that she should stop. But it's hard for her. Do you um, think that in Christina's regular life... <laughs> And previous relationships. She would pull that thing, that stunt that she pulled. And the other person would start screaming and yelling and they would have it out. And and that's like the reaction that she's used to. So when Henry's just kind of like, no, I didn't. What do you want to say about it? She's like, doesn't know what to do with that. Yeah, because I think she likes attention, whether negative or positive. And the fact that Henry's not even reacting shows that he really does not like her, that even in the negative, he's still not responding to her. Like, he, he that's how much he doesn't give a shit about her, that he's not even going to react. And that bothers her. <laughs> so she tells us that she knows she's wrong for saying some of the things she said, but she's starting to rethink. And... Uh, 
I don't know. I think she's just saving face at this point. She knows that the things she did are terrible. So she's trying to backtrack and save whatever is left. I don't even know if that's possible. But, I mean, it has to be working. Like you said, a lot of the people don't get on her case as much as they do Brett. I th- I, but I wonder, is it like a thing where... I'm not sure that she's like... I don't know how to put this. Like, strong? Like, I think Christina might be a particularly fragile person. And honestly, this cast is, like, they seem, like, really nice and empathetic people. And so maybe they see, like, that in her. And so they're like, let's not kick her anymore, even though, you know, she does things that are wrong. We we can, like, judge it internally, but we're not going to put out there, like, oh, she's terrible. Okay. I mean, that's fair That's, enough. like, a stretch, but, like, yeah, it's all, just, yeah, yeah, it's all my theory. Yeah, reason, because I think what she's done is really awful, but everybody else doesn't seem to be reacting that same way. But she asks him laughably what he likes about her. He stutters a bit, but he manages to spit out that she's spontaneous. She writes very well, and her stupid tears come out, and she's just crying. And she overthanked him. Like, I mean, it wasn't even that big of a deal. I mean, I thought she said she'd been loved deeply. So why is this moving her to tears? There's another reality TV show where one character said to another one, don't be all like hallelujah grateful for everything I do. <laughs> That's how I felt about Christina. Like, why are you crying? Like, <laughs> it was a nice thing to say, but it wasn't that deep. Because she's acting. She goes on to tell him that she forgets how routine he is and she could have been matched with someone crazy. I'm like, like he was. But, <laughs> but she says, but they're both great people. And I started laughing, and before I could finish my laughter, Henry tells us that he honestly had to hold back from laughing. And it's like they live in two different realities, and he's not sure how two people can see things differently. And I don't think we're sure either, because I don't know what the sham of a marriage (laughs) is, but they're both determined to drive it to the ground. But Christina thinks that they need more time, and again, Henry's not talking to her. He keeps talking to us, and he's like, I don't need any time. This makes no sense to me. And in Christina's delusional mind, she does think that they're scared of hurting each other, and they both need time and canceling. Henry says he's ready to get it over and done with, but he's actually looking forward to what she's going to say, which just makes me think that it's like a long-term revenge thing, that he's just waiting for the reunion to dump everything on her. But... We end the couple with Christina yakking on about a glimpse of hope and Henry is a good guy and they just have to create their own love and magic. Wow. After four months of the hell that she's been living. It's crazy. Has it really been hell? For her? Actually, you know what? You're right. This may be her. She gets off on it. (laughs) I I hope the stipend is good. That's all I can say about these two. Um, but I, I really am, I, I didn't think this, but I like your like prediction that next week, Henry's just going to come to decision day. And I have a feeling that like this gay thing will be only one thing. I have a feeling that Henry's going to come with like a whole list of things. And then they're going to start flashing back to all this crazy shit that she's done over the past four months. I feel like we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. I hope so. I'm real, still really pissed at how they're handling this accusation. It is not a light offense. It's pretty heavy. But to run around trying to tell someone to, like, yeah. I mean, it was pretty bad when she was like, I think you're gay because someone sent me a text message, a text message that I can't find. 
But the fact that she then, like, because I believe Henry tried yeah, to blackmail him with this information, it's like, wow, there's something fun, there's something not right with you. It's not well with your spirit. It is not. Like, I don't think, like I said, a lot of these people came to this show, but they really should have gone to a couch, therapist couch, please to unpack. So that's it for them, right? Yes, that's all I have for them. So on to Olivia and Brett, who I'm not even sure why they were here. Brett met up with his friend, Anthony. They talk about how they decided to not stay together. Um, And they kind of discuss how Brett is very um, inflexible. And the friend actually doesn't speak very, I wouldn't say not very highly of Brett. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't. He actually said he hoped. Yes. That he would leave this experience with a higher level of empathy because he makes it sound like Brett has not been empathetic with his friends or his significant others. Yep. Um, Brett makes it like I, you know, watching this, I'm just like, you know, production does not like Brett. They will take any opportunity to make him just look terrible. But he yep. also cooperates with them. So yeah, who's I'm to blame here? He came to film. I don't know what is in it for him. Um, and he, you know, when his friend asked what he learned, he's like, I learned a lot about TV production and pandemics. And then he said that thing about how, like, going back to the dating game, he's going to enjoy swiping left on people because it's great for your self-confidence to reject people. I mean, have you spent time on apps? Because I've spent time on apps and rejecting people, there's no, I, I guess people get their own thrills their own ways. It's not thrilling to reject people. It's just like, it feels like work, like trying to find the right person. I don't, I don't, I don't get his thinking there and his friend didn't seem to get it either yep but it is brett and this is exactly why production brought him back because they hate him (laughs) and he doesn't love himself enough to stay away uh olivia meets up with her friend amber and they just talk about how like olivia said there was a lack of intimacy and she kind of theorized maybe if she'd given him more maybe he would have given more on other things i don't think that's the case i'm actually surprised that what? What do you think their biggest problem was? What would you say was? I'll say mine, but what did you? What do you think their biggest problem was? I think their biggest problem was the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think it was. I think their house was the representation of their biggest problem. But I actually do agree with his friend Tony where he said that Brett is inflexible. I think Olivia has that issue also. And if you add that to the fundamental differences that they have where nobody wants to bend, I think that's just like a lot of problems ahead in the relationship. Olivia talking about how they didn't have sex was, or the, the lack of intimacy was a surprise to me because I had predicted earlier that they were having sex and they just weren't telling us. But apparently, no, they were not having sex. <laughs> It apart to though to be fair but then they like her and her friend just muddle around with what if he says yes to decision day we know brett's not saying yes to decision day olivia has more dignity than to say yes to decision day so they just wasted a few minutes of our time on the show this week i'm done with those two <laughs> they should never bring them back i don't even know why they're coming to decision day what is the point last year when zach and mindy came to decision day and they weren't even living in the same <laughs> They did the same thing. Like you guys agreed to break up in the middle of the experiment. Why are you coming to decision day? I just, there's another check involved. That can. So that's all we had for those two. We'll move on down to Amani and Woody. 
Amani is excited about their future and she thinks the retreat strengthened their bond. Amani was on her full Oprah this episode because she asked Woody a lot of questions. She asked about their check-ins and she says how in the beginning um, they used to check in with their commitment and halfway through she was 50-50 and he was at 70-80. She asked if his has grown and he says yes that he's closer to 100. And of course Amani says that's deep. Then she didn't ask if he feels like it's going to stay up there or if something could bring it down. And I just thought this was a weird question. Like the guy is being consistent. You're enjoying the guy, like just stay there. And it brings me back to my point. Like we do not need two hour episodes of Mops anymore at this point. Like they've already been married for four months. Just because they extended it doesn't mean we have to go through these filler episodes because I, I'm assuming that they prompted the question and did the question make sense to you? No. <laughs> I mean, the whole Amani and Woody are just talking in circles this whole episode. Like there's very there I, I don't think there's actually any substance. Yeah. Just filling in space so they can go to the next week and say yes. <laughs> yeah. Amani's friend comes by Nicole all Nicole does is just, again, making conversation because Amani's saying all good things. Things are good. She feels good, ready for D-Day. And she loves him and they exchange love words. She says the best part about being married is they actually like to hang out and they're building a best friend vibe. She thought it was going to be harder, but she, um, but the friend asked if you were going to say no, what would be the reason that you say no? And she said she feels like he lacks attention, like his attention span is low and he listens but doesn't understand what she's saying. And of all the examples that the producers thought to put in for that was the example when she said a burka and he thought that she said a burger. Which was funny as hell. It was funny, but it was not an example, uh, you know? No, a good example would be the DM argument, which was all about, like, listening and understanding. Exactly. Because she was saying one thing, he misunderstood, got defensive, it blew up, but they decided they were going to do that. But again, you know, she said that, um, I, I, and you know what, even this, as she explains that this is their biggest reason why she was saying no, it's not even a major issue, I think, because he's a man. That's what they do. I think majority of married couples, they'll tell you that, you know, you're trying to say something to a man and they just think it's not a big deal and just have their own interpretation. But again, we know that they're just kind of stretch it out, trying to create some tension, but we know these two are going to be together. Um, Woody is, Woody's friend is his grandma. Did we, yeah, we saw some, I was about to say, did we ever see any of Woody's friends? We did, but um, Woody's loved one is his grandma um, at her house. And he's telling her that he likes the transition and they're in a good place. And, you know, he's having a good time. He's wearing a shirt that says black, happy and married. His grandma says that the shirt is cute and she's noticed a change in him and he seems happier. Woody asks, what are some things to watch out for in marriage since you've been married for a long time? And coincidentally, she says, um, pay attention. Did you think this was planned or genuine? No. I think that they have so few issues that, of course, they were going to hit on the one thing, which is like, hey, you need to communicate. Like, don't ever, you need to communicate. Like, that that's like marriage 101, you know? Yeah. And we've talked about how hard communication can be, but that's why that's all they can come up with them is, oh, you need to communicate <laughs> and listen and actively listen. 
So yeah, in addition to pay attention, she says be consistent and be respectful, which I think Woody does a good job of. Um, she does say it's hard to find someone you click with, and she does think that they'll end up together. Woody does agree and says, yep, it seems so, but you never know. I guess that's the dun-dun-dun. Um, their romantic dinner is outside. Again, COVID doesn't exist. They're eating all the foods. But the, the, the waiter did have a mask, you know, that's a good thing. So I was wondering when this was filmed. Do you know when this was filmed, Aid? Uh, no idea. Oh, June, July. Well, yeah, I think decision day, let, let's do math. Okay, they got married Valentine's Day in February. They were together till March. Then there were the shutdown order. Then they did eight weeks, like, quarantine. So that's um, April and May. So they should be doing all of this, like, middle June, like June, sometime in the month okay. of June. Okay. Wow, that's a long marriage. But yeah, um, as a sidebar, I do enjoy the New Orleans accent. And for some reason at their dinner, the both of them came in heavy with the accent. It was like a sing-songy. I like hearing it. It's music to my ears. I like the New Orleans accent too. <laughs> I feel like when they're trying not to do the accent is when I find it harder to understand. Um, <laughs> I think it's like, I like, maybe it's because I'm just entranced by the beauty, but I'm just like, I love listening to the New Orleans accent. Woody's <laughs> is, oh, Woody has the best on everybody from the cast. His is like the one that I like to listen to the most. <laughs> so, yeah, so Woody starts asking, um, waxing poetic that, you know, he doesn't have any, he doesn't need anything. This dinner is just the icing and the cake of what he needed. He loves her from jump until now, and he's grown with her help. He didn't believe in love before the process, but it's different now. And he starts getting choked up. I got to say, I was very surprised that he got choked up. Were you surprised? Notice. <laughs> Wait, you didn't notice? I think I was just like, oh, okay, you guys are going to stay together. I may have missed it. Oh, because he actually said it. And then oh, Amani being Amani, she's just like, oh, that's sweet. But let's get down to business. What does that mean that you didn't believe in love, but you wanted to be married? That doesn't make sense. And you got to love Amani because she always like <laughs> ready for business. He says he knew what he wanted. Um, he wanted to be married and be a family, but he didn't know how he was going to do it. But now he can't see himself without her. So I, I don't think it's that crazy to not believe in love before you get married. I think it's, I mean, I think it's hard to believe in love until you experience it for yourself. I don't think it's difficult. I think, yeah, there are people who don't believe in it, but um, it's hard to say you don't believe in it if it's something that you want. I think it's, it's better to say you believe that you might not find it, but to say you didn't believe in love and go all the way to sign up for a show <laughs> where someone is expecting for it. Yeah, I'm with her. That doesn't make sense. Oh, okay. So, I wondered if Woody meant I don't believe in it as a concept or I didn't believe in it for myself until it happened to me. I really feel that's what he meant. He didn't believe in love because he knew that he wanted it, but he didn't know how he was going to do it. But it just made me think that I'm so glad we didn't find out. But if he had been mismatched, we would have seen the Woody that we all expected to see. Yes. <laughs> but um, anyways, um, they're back at home and Woody's like, he's sad to sleep um, away from her. Amani's like, I'm excited, you know, to reflect and no snoring. And Woody says, I'm just going to come right out and say that if you say no on D-Day, I'm going to be mad. And she goes, what reason do you think it will be that I'd say no? He says, probably not hearing her. 
And he proves her point because she says, he starts saying, that's not a good enough reason. She's trying to explain and he cut her off. And I don't know whether to give him points or to smack him over the head because one, he's self-aware enough to know that he doesn't listen to her, but he's also, you know, not listening to her and just cutting her off. So um, she tells him, um, Woody, you need to bring it down a second and walk. He's like, if you say no on decision day, I will walk off. So again, push and pull. It's all bands. They're going to be together. Amani says it's a new side of Woody that she finds unnerving. And they say their goodbyes. He packs his bags. But she does tell us that she's looking forward to seeing him on decision day. Where they're both going to say yes, thereby wasting all of our time this week. (laughs) Because, again, we know Woody's going to go first because he's just been in from day one. Yeah. So on to Amelia and Bennett. They have one of their weird, is it mean to call it weird, in bed episodes? Whatever it is. As long as we can destroy the nightdress, I'm done with it. I just want to burn it. I just want to cut it up. Bennett will show up to the reunion in that dress just to get you. That is so gross. (laughs) (laughs) Did you notice that Amelia, or was it just me, came into the car in the retreat through the window? I did not. (laughs) It was really quick. I watched it twice. I'm like, huh. Does it take that long to open the door? I don't know, but, you know, Amelia likes to be different. So, these two different birds, Bennett goes and meets up with his friends while they come over to the apartment. He has his one friend who, he t- Bennett tells us from the beginning this friend is not supportive of this experiment. And then just in case that we missed it, the friend makes sure to break it down for us, the people, how unsupportive he is. Um, he said, you, you guys haven't been through any adversity and I'm like, but the pandemic has been a little bit of adversity. Yeah. But his his killer line was about Bennett moving to Virginia, where he says, what are you going to do? You're going to be sitting in her apartment like a dog, waiting for her to, her to come and take you for walks. As if Bennett's not a fully grown man who can, like, of his own volition, leave the apartment and explore the city and make friends and find a job. But no, his friend is convinced that he'll just be sitting there waiting for Amelia, which really says more about what he thinks about Bennett than what he thinks about Amelia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just harsh. I don't understand. As far as I was concerned, Thaddeus was a hater. And that's the second one he's had, who's just like hating on him moving. I mean, his Bennett's friends seem to be so possessive. Like, it's never about oh, why are you doing this? I'm concerned. It's like, why are you ruining my life? <laughs> why are you ruining <laughs> I just struggle to like understand why in God's green earth I would ever be that invested in where my friends live. Yeah. Like I could be sad, but these people go in. I don't even think Kim let the other friend talk. (laughs) I don't remember a single thing he said. (laughs) So Bennett explains to us that the way that they're going to split time between New Orleans or he will split time between New Orleans and Richmond is he's going to spend four to five months a year in New Orleans. He's not ready to give up what he has. What does he have, Aid? He's the director of a theater company. Oh, my According bad. to his Chiron. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> and the friend, you know, Thaddeus gives more, like, it's just a honeymoon phase that these kids are in is basically what he says. Which, maybe the first few weeks were a honeymoon, 
But I just cannot imagine that pandemic life was a honeymoon where, you know, when things start getting real. Yeah. And I think it's also like downplaying the way that Amelia and Bennett navigate stuff because him moving is no joke. And Olivia and Brett couldn't decide on a house in the same city. (laughs) So, you know, downplaying and saying they haven't been through stuff like it had to be hard, like, you know, to decide to do all that. So they just navigate, navigate things easily and don't sweat the small stuff doesn't mean they haven't been through anything. Sometimes it's how you react to problems, not the problems itself sometimes. Agreed. So then we move on to Amelia, and she is getting a tarot card reading on Skype from Mimi, who is a witch and a tarot card reader, according to her Chiron. Speaking of Chiron, did you notice that Amelia said doctor of medicine? Not just doctor, but doctor of medicine? They wanted to make sure that we knew that she was not getting a PhD. She is getting an MD or a DO. I'm not sure. That was um, so weird. And then did you notice also that she was wearing the same watermelon set that Bennett was wearing with his friends? So either they share clothes or they have matching clothes. I prefer matching. I love it. Matching things. Yes, but yeah. <sighs> So the basically the tarot card reader, you know, does the tarot thing. I like how when they pull the card, they do like a flash of light on the card, even though this thing is through Skype. What? A, <laughs> <laughs> like they're really anyway. I don't think I've ever seen a tarot card reading on the show, and now we're on to our second one, which begs the question: What was Bennett's sister doing that she wasn't available to do this tarot card reading? She was um, quarantining. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the tarot card lady says everything's fine. And then when um, Amelia asks about the future, the tarot card lady said, don't make decisions based on fear. I think that's where I can't, like, get with these tarot card business. I'm like, doesn't, like, Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle say, don't make decisions based on, Yanla, don't they all say, don't make decisions based on fear? Is that some sort of deep meaning I'm supposed to get because you pulled a card out of a stack? (laughs) apologies to everybody who believes in tarot cards i'm not the target audience they're always so vague (laughs) really like specific towards them so and then you talk so you give them information anyway anyway so her friends are there and they are joined sort of at the end of the tarot card reading rachel and katie and then you know the tarot card lady is saying, like, make sure you don't overthink this situation. And then the Wi-Fi cuts out, and that's the end of the tarot card reading. Um, Amelia thought the reading was very positive, but the ending was ominous. And nobody called anybody back. That was so weird to me. They just mm-hmm. moved on with their lives. <sighs> like, I've heard enough. I'm good to go. Then there was a thing about a dream and a cucumber and Bennett being a cucumber and her eating the cucumber. I mean, we could get real deep into what that dream meant, but um, she just said, uh, Amelia said that's the only like bad sign they've had so far. (laughs) This girl, man, she needs to go to reality. So for their final supper, um, Amelia wears a weird costume. Was Bennett in a costume? No, he was in his nightdress. Oh, in the final supper? Sorry. No, he had a nice shirt on. Okay. And they have balloons and they share takeout. Um, and she talks about how she definitely knows that she loves hanging out with him. They talk about how the crown costume that she's wearing was used for one of Bennett's shows where there was an apple juice king, an orange juice king, and a bagel king. Okay. <sighs> 
So they talk about how it's been a wild experience. And then Amelia, you know, drops a, a little a little turd on us. She's like, I didn't think I was ready to be married, but I thought it would be fun to be on a reality show. But the number one driving force wasn't getting married. Ah, uh, why? Why, Amelia? Why? Why is she still in La La Land? And then Bennett tells us, being confronted with the information that she just wanted a new and crazy experience of being on a reality show, you know, gives him doubts. Because once the cameras disappear, is she going to make a 180 degree turn and be a different person? And then she's like, well, I didn't think I'd be chosen. I just thought it would be fun and that she likes most people who she meets. So she figured she'd probably like whoever they matched her with. I just felt that was doubling down. Like, stop talking. Stop digging yourself in a hole. She was just oblivious to, again, editing could play a part, but I feel like Bennett's demeanor changed and his facial expressions changed, but she was just oblivious, just going on and on. I strongly believe that there was a part two to that where she probably said really nice things about their relationship and what it meant to her, and they just cut it out. I mean, I hope so, but I mean, I think what she says next, like when she was talking to the producers saying she's going to miss the cameras and how they make her feel like a movie star was like, eh, side eye. I feel like, what if she said 10 things? Like, what if she's like, oh, what if they said, okay, say something about how you're going to miss parts of this process. Um, And she's like, well, I won't really miss any. And they're like, oh, just, just say something. And she just popped. I just don't believe this. I don't. I don't believe, like, maybe Amelia is this, like, emotionally ignorant to just pop out with what she just said without some sort of qualifier, but I don't believe it. I think she probably said something, and I think they're trying to play up something to make us think that someone might say no next week when we both know they're making plans to move out of state together. They're saying yes next week, both of them. They are, but I also just think in the first place, why even say it at all? Like, just keep that in you. The man already said he loves you. The man is already moving for you. What's the point of telling him, like, oh, I was just thought it would be fun. Then I'm like, oh, I didn't think I was going to be picked. Well, oh, well, I get along with anybody, so it couldn't, it might not even have been you. It still would have worked out anyways. I, I don't know. Just keep it to yourself. Don't get <laughs> enough information to edit it that way. So Okay. I mean, they can edit what you didn't say. That is true. <laughs> but I think they can mess with the tone and the flavor a little. That's it for Amelia and Bennett, Karen and Miles. Did you think they had a good or bad episode? Amelia and Bennett? No, Karen and Miles. Oh, Karen and Miles. They have a good or a bad episode. They had a bad episode. They're setting us up for both of them to say no next week or one of them to say no next week. Which probably means both of them will say yes if we're being set up this way. See, this is the thing. Like, my mind, I can't keep track of all the ways that they're trying to set me up. Yeah, I think Karen and Miles are the only ones where I have a question mark about but if next week they both said yes, though, based on what they've shown us, I'm not sure that that would be a good thing. Um, I think they're one of those people where they might say yes to give it a chance off camera, which I always feel if you think there's some kind of potential, yeah, go off camera and figure it out. But I think not long after they'll figure out that they're kind of forcing it. They just had enough. They had four months, man. Usually I would agree with you that sometimes you should just say yes on decision day to go figure out maybe you can do something off camera. But they had the pandemic and quarantining and being off camera for two months. Yeah. So I'm like, you, you already had that opportunity and it didn't seem to go well. Like based on what they said, you know, they had a conversation together and she doubles down on this like 
talk about this masculine figure that she needs in her life and blah. I mean, I have to say blah, 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 because, you know, she said it multiple times at this point. The part that I'm not picking up on is she doesn't seem to be saying like, no, Miles doesn't have that. Um, I think she is because when the friend comes by and it fell under the bucket of concern. That's her concern is that he's not that. Like, I don't know. It's so weird to me that the way Karen sees Miles is so crazy to me because everything she lists, I think he has. Because even, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm going farther ahead when she says, um, what was it she says? Respect me or show me the way. Put me in my place respectfully. That's what she said. I think that's exactly what he's doing. He says what he wants. He says it firmly, but he's being respectful of her to give her her space to flourish and be comfortable, but it's still not good enough for her because she has a vision of what it is that she wants. Like, because he's so open emotionally, she's blinded by that. To me, like, if you're a manly man and the masculine figure that she would love to submit to, he would never be open emotionally. You have to be all aggressive and rude, I guess. So I don't like when she says respectfully i wish miles asked her can you give me an example of how i can put you in a place respectfully where you wouldn't think oh there you go you're you're not on your best behavior this is the real miles like i'm so confused i think this like idea this this put put me in my place like concept is really strange because it's like yeah you're married and so you should be like growing together which also includes pointing out when one of you is like in need of correction. Yeah. That's part of the deal. But I just don't understand her, like, do, is there something that she's done that she thinks that he should have told her not to do? That's like a lot of, if there's something that you feel like you shouldn't have done, you could have just talked to him about it instead of being like, oh, he should put me in my place. Like, that's a very strange way to think. Yeah, and everybody has different strengths. Like, why don't you just uh, lean into whatever relationship that you have and then figure it out together? I, I, It's very, yeah, like I said, I've said it so many times, but it's very confusing to me what exactly it is that Karen wants. Why do you even want to be put in your place? Like, and then when her friends kind of backed her up with it, too, they're like, yeah, you need someone to put you in your place. And then the other one said, yeah, that's what I want, too. Okay. I don't get it. There's no, I will say this, like the way that we think Karen should be put in her place, quote unquote, is like, Hey, you're not very, like some of your viewpoints are a little odd and counterproductive to your own happiness. Yes. Cause you don't even realize it. I don't think she realizes that she has a good guy. That's the part <laughs> so baffling to me. Like you I have, think she thinks he's a good guy. Does she, I see what you're saying her. though. A good guy for her. Yeah. Put it that way. Because her friend does make point to just because two people are good people doesn't mean they should be together. But I actually. Are you sure that he's a good guy for her? Like, do you think they are compatible? Okay, I think what I mean is he's in touch with himself. He's willing to learn. He's not like inflexible like Brett is, if that's what I mean. And he's willing to put her needs first. He's not selfish. So that's what I mean by good for her. The fact that they get along friendship-wise in that they joke, they understand each other, they have a good time, they like food, ha, ha, ha. And they, you know, they're on the same page on a lot of things. I think there's a possibility, but I think the main thing is Karen is not attracted to Miles. That is, she cringes when he goes 
to her. That is just to me the main thing. I think she recognizes a good guy, and I think she's framing it wrong, saying this masculine energy, this thing. She doesn't feel that huh that she would feel. <laughs> if it was a guy she was attracted to. And she doesn't know how to say that and saying it in so many words and throwing things like masculine energy and lead me to a place. Cause I found it very insulting. Everything she was saying, what do you mean? I need someone that can protect me and someone that can guide. Like, I know you said she, she's not exactly saying he doesn't have it, but, but nothing she says is like in a positive light. It's coming off as I need someone. Why are you telling me this? Tell me what you're getting, what I'm giving you. But, it um, feels like she's saying all the time. Maybe she's not saying, well, you are lacking. <laughs> yes. I need this. I'm not getting this. But she, but when she realizes that, but I'm not, that's not exactly true. She goes, oh, but not, not, I'm not saying that you do. I don't know. And I just really hate when, like, when she was telling her friends and she goes, I hate when, you know, he was all being all nice or whatever, but he's dialed back. Like, I want to see the real Miles. Is being real only when it's the bad side of you? Is that what real means to you? Mm-hmm. And then you see he dialed it back. There's nothing great about trying to change your partner. He's dialed back, so he's dying inside. You're killing someone so you can flourish. But she's not flourishing. <laughs> she thinks she's not flourishing. And no one's flourishing know, here. That example that he gave to his friend Blake, that was so sad. It was hilarious, but it was like... Oh, no, that was sad. My heart broke. You I mean, it was sad, but it was laundry? funny. Oh. Yeah, but the Miles cooked dinner. Her clothes were on the chair. So let's start... That's the other thing. Miles cooked dinner, which is really like, you know, that's usually her thing. Yeah. Clothes are on the chair. She sits on the edge of the chair with the clothes instead of just sitting there and eat this dinner that she, he cooked for her. Because she's not attracted. I told you, what was that episode where she said the pandemic was so busy and she was on the laptop? And I said, honestly, I bet she's scrolling through something just so she appears busy because he's very touchy-feely and she doesn't like that. (laughs) I just don't understand why you can't... I mean, I guess she... It's interesting that Karen will always say, oh, like, I'm not very affectionate. But what she won't say is, and I don't really like to be with someone who is affectionate. Yeah. Because I feel like that would give Miles a clearer view than her constantly saying, like, I will, tr- like, I will try to be more affectionate because I know that's what you need. <laughs> yeah. But I was also proud of Miles. Like, in the past, he would probably be like, yeah, 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 I'll try. I'll do better. But he stood up for himself. And I think he's the person that has grown the most in the experiment from start to now. Um, I think he recognizes the things that he needs. And he went right back and he was like, I'm a man. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm a man. And he even called her out and said, I want a woman, you know, who is emotionally capable. And I don't think you can get there. <laughs> and I want a woman who recognizes that I am a man. Yeah. Um, and then in their closing scene, when they're in bed together, did you notice that uh, Miles has a tattoo that says, I am a man? What? No, I didn't. Why didn't you just shake it at her? <laughs> so that's I. That's it for Karen and Miles for me. So who do you think is gonna go first? Mm, Karen, because I actually don't know. I mean, I say Karen, but I really I don't know. I feel like Karen could say yes or no. I feel like they're trying to show us that Miles Miles say is leaning towards no. Um, so I don't know. You know what the funny part is? Up until this moment, 
Miles is the one person I don't know. I think he seriously, he genuinely doesn't know what he wants. But I don't actually don't get doubts from Karen. I feel like Karen knows what she's going to do. Karen is actually hard to read. She's so hard to read. Do you think she's just going to say no? You know, I'm leaning towards both of them saying yes, but they'll divorce eventually. Like it won't last. Unless, Unless she just has like a change. And part of me, I mean, I like Karen. Like I know all of this is annoying or whatever, but I have liked her from the beginning and I I never really stopped liking her. I do wish more than anything that she would change a little. And I feel like the only way, like, I feel like Miles could change a little bit and it could work, but I think Karen will have to change a lot. I don't know if Karen has it in her to change that much. And that's the thing. I never am an advocate for someone, well, someone like Brett should change, but (laughs) I'm not an advocate for someone like just changing the entire being for something. Like, you know what? Go be with someone else who enjoys being cold. I think there was a scene where she was describing what she wants to her friend. And I'm like, this is cold. She's like, I don't want to be with someone affectionate. I don't want to be with compliments. I don't want, I'm like, dude, man, how are your relationships? I really want to talk to an ex of Karen's, but I don't think she should also alter herself. It's just better to meet someone who you're matched to. But I don't want her getting what she wants, per se. I don't even know what she's missing from Miles. And Miles not getting what he wants. Based on what Karen has said, though, if Karen were to get what she would want, she would get an asshole. And that's why I'm like, I think he needs to change. Yeah, because right now it's at her pace. No intimacy, emotional or physical, because that's what she wants. So she's getting what she wants. He's not. So we will see. Next week is D-Day, finally. So, Aid, who has your bouquet for the week? I typically do not like the friends because I don't think they add anything. Um, And, you know, the friends didn't really add anything useful this episode either. For the, you know, the people who they were there to counsel. But Miles' friend Blake did add something for me personally. (laughs) (laughs) He was just very nice to look at and seemed like he had a really fun time with Miles. And I was like, I want to hang out with you. So that was fun. (laughs) Who was your bouquet? My bouquet is multiples. It was the friends. Um, They go to Felicia. Blake, Kristen. Why those think... four friends? How come Anthony didn't get one? How oh, come and Andrew Anthony. didn't get one? And, who, who, and Anthony. Who's the last person you mentioned? Andrew. That's Christina's friend. Girl, that was hired actor. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, you know, automatically I would have said all the friends, but I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to include him. But Anthony is included. I'm sorry I forgot him. But I gave them my bouquet because I felt like they were honest. Um, for their friends. I like that Anthony doesn't really like his friend Brett, but, you know, tried to make the best out of it and came up with some things that his friend could stand to learn. Blake, Aid already handled that, said everything that was about him, and he was very understanding. It wasn't even a case, he wasn't even like Woody, where he's like, oh, you need to have the physical, man. You can't do it. I can't do it. He was just understanding and listening, really listening to Miles. Um, I liked Felicia because she was honest and really just called Karen out, like, you don't be listening, girl. So I don't agree with the fact that you had to learn that, you know, you need someone to put you in your place, blah, blah, blah. But Felicia is also a very pretty lady. So I appreciated that. So 
who has your burnt ashes? My burnt ashes go to the editors and producers of the show <laughs> for doing this every penultimate episode. They will sit there and try to obfuscate, make you think people are going to say yes, who are going to say no. And at the end of it, it doesn't work. You know, like, no, we we have a pretty solid idea of the five couples who say, you're only keeping us guessing on one. We know what everybody else is going to say. <laughs> I know. I'm sure they hate that. They're like, come on. <laughs> but they try. It's their job. My burnt ashes, I got tired of giving it to Christina because, like I said, she gets it forever till the end of the episode, the end of the season, sorry. But my burnt ashes went to Amelia. Now, I know Aid says there's editing and all that, but I'm just like, how do you tell someone that's your husband that you love? Like, oh, I just signed up because I wanted to be on a reality show. Keep that shit to yourself till you die. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell your best friend and swear her to secrecy. Yes. But just don't say it. Just say, yes, I came for love and I met you and la-di-da-di-da. So, yeah. All right. All right. So that's it for this week. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AltaCall, M-A-F-S. That's A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. And you can also email us with the same handle at gmail.com. Remember, if you have any ideas on what you'd like us to cover after the season ends, let us know. We're all ears and would love to hear from you. We're available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever platform you listen to us on. Have a great week, guys. Decision day next week. Woo! Woo! Bye! Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.